The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, October 31st, 2022. The woman in your life will do what she must do To comfort you and calm you down And let you rest now The woman in your life, she can rest so easily She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you Hello everybody and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz and I'm your host. With me at the board is my friend, my partner and engineer and co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Wow, it's a rainy day. It looks like it's going to be a rainy day here in Sonoma County. Well, I have two special guests with me this morning. In fact, and I have several people here in the studio. This is the first time I've ever had a real audience, so I'm really excited about that. But I do have two special guests with me. Joining me in the studio is Kelsey Bejero is a volunteer with the North Bay Organizing Project, Police Accountability Task Force, and co-chair of their civic engagement initiative, Deep Democracy. Wow, Deep Democracy. That's something we all need to look into. And then I have a wonderful wonder guest also with me, Diona Jerome, uh, one of my youngest guests. He's on the Sonoma County uh, Human Rights Commission for District 5, and she's the daughter of Jason and Galero Ryrick, who was bitten by the sheriff's canine in April 2020 with deputies in great and boy I remember that when that day that happened I remember when I read in the in the uh in the paper it was just uh, just amazing uh gives me the chills when I think about it we're going to talk about a recent art protest that happened in front of the Sonoma County Board of Supervisors on October 22nd. It's very interesting. They incorporated not only protesting, but also art. And we're going to talk about that, what the motivation was behind that. And we're also going to talk about, uh, they're going to give us an update on Measure P. So let me, let me just give you a little bit of history here. You know, Sonoma County Measure P was on the ballot measure that passed by 64% of Sonoma County registered voters. The measure promised to expand civilian oversight of the Sonoma County Sheriff's Office. And I was very involved in the Andy Lopez situation. And I mean, we went to the Board of Supervisors every meeting. We went to every meeting we could ever, be, you, can, you couldn't believe, I couldn't believe how many meetings I had gone to. And what was so interesting is that there were two meetings where they discussed the word oversight as if it was a four-letter word, like oversight. Like, oh, what do you mean oversight? You know, like we can't have oversight in our community. So it's really, really important that we pay attention to what is going on with Measure P. And it's it was basically meant to increase transparency, accountability. That's a big word. You know, that's a big word in today's culture, accountability, and it's very important. All of us have to be accountable. You know, if I'm driving in my car and all of a sudden I maybe read, uh, run a red light or do something, all of a sudden a policeman pulls me over and gives me a ticket because I have to be accountable for that action. I have to pay for it. I have to make sure that I come to court and I open up and I tell what happened. And, and here we have, no, we have very little accountability in our community and public trust in local law enforcement during a time of increased sex, uh, skepticism among the county's minorities and young residents. And, you know, the skepticism is, to me, you know, some people say, oh, you're paranoid. Oh, no, we're not paranoid. There are things going on in our culture that we're very much aware of. And Measure P 
was supposed to be doing that, was supposed to give us oversight. And now they're struggling and fighting and trying to make other regulations that override what the citizens voted on. 64%, I do not remember in my lifetime or in my 50 years living here in Sonoma County where we had 64% of anything, but Measure P had 64%. That's how important it was. Well, both of the ladies that are with me today are from the North Bay Organizing Project, and it's called NBOP, and it's of the North Bay. And I, I am very familiar with their, their organization. I mean, I shout out to Susan Shaw. I know she's not, she's not with you anymore, but she was one of my favorite people to work with. And let me give you a little background. It's a grassroots, multiracial, and multi-issue organization comprised of 22 faith, environmental, labor, student, and community-based organizations in Sonoma County. NBOP seeks to build a regional power organization rooted in working class and minority communities in the North Bay. Uniting people, very important, uniting people to build leadership and grassroots power for social, economic, racial, and environmental justice. You know, it reminds me of uh, Margaret Mead when she said, never underestimate the power of a group of people and the changes they could make. Well, I have a few announcements to make. Uh, I'll make the sad one first. Uh, a dear friend, Peter Gable, uh, passed away on October 25th. He was the founding editor of TUCON, a long-term president of New College of California and author of most recently of The Desire for Mutual Recognition. And he's also his claim to fame, I believe. I actually interviewed Peter when I was on uh, television. He was the son of Arlene Francis and who was an actress, and of course, if you remember Arlene Francis, she was a game show uh, participant in many, many, many shows. Of course, I'm dating myself a little bit because I remember when we first got television, you know, I was about, mm, I'd say about eight years old, and I remember the first time we saw a game show. I thought it was very, very interesting. And he also uh, was the founder of the Arlene Francis Center down here in downtown Santa Rosa, many, many events are go on there. So my heart goes out to the family of Peter Gable. And just to let people know, he was a marvelous, marvelous human being, very, very given. Well, another thing happened. My great-granddaughter, Kaya Sierra, wow, what a name, Kaya Sierra, had her first birthday. What a time we had. It was a Halloween party, and we had a, a pumpkin carving uh, situation or contest or whatever you want to call it. And when we were first going there, Ken said, oh, I don't, want to, I don't want to carve a pumpkin. And then after it was all over, he said, oh, my God, that was so much fun. It made me feel just like I was a kid again. So happy birthday, Kaya, one year old. My, my goodness, you know, it, it reminds me of the... Um, of the, uh, what's his name, Neil, uh, Neil Young song, uh, Old Man. You know, when I look at Kaya in this song, An Old Man, there's a line in it that he says, Old Man, you were once me. You know, when I look at Kaya, I think, oh, my God, I was once that way. And I look at everybody in the studio. We were all babies. And I ask myself over and over, what happens to us? What happens where we lose our confidence, where we become violent? I mean, I think of what happened with Nancy Pelosi and, 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 and her husband and the, the person who attacked, 
who attacked him. And I think about that person was once a child. You know, what happened? What, what, what creates one person to be loving and one person to be violent or another person to be kind, another person to not care about anything? You know, our children are the future, and we must never, never lose sight of that. And the way we educate them, the homes we give them, the food we feed them, the, the attitude we have towards them, all of those things make a difference. You know, and when I think of this man going in and attacking you know, doing what he did because of some ideology that he's listening to the radio or listening to television, I have to ask myself, what happens to people? You know, and I believe, I really believe that what happens to us is that when we have such an insecure world and there's so many different opinions going on and we're lacking education, I mean, when we look at our high school students, you know, over 50% of them, by the time they graduate, they only have maybe a 10th grade. If they're lucky, they have a 10th grade reading ability. So we have to ask ourselves that question. That has to be the biggest question that we ask. What happens that creates these type of environments, these type of individuals? And I can't help but put a little bit of blame of the leadership because, you know, if you're going to put money and greed before anything else, before the children, before the future, well, this is what you're going to end up with. And we really have to start thinking about that. And if we don't start thinking about it, I guarantee you, folks, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And we have to take some responsibility. Each individual, we want our police department to be accountable. Each individual has to be accountable. We're part of a community. You know, we're part of a community. We're a human species. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what religion you are. I don't care what you do. You are part of the human family. And we have to start acting that way and start taking care of each other and stop dividing ourselves in so many different areas. Like, oh, you live in this neighborhood. You live in that neighborhood. This is your color skin. This is your education. Oh, you, you're dumb. You're smart. You're pretty. Whatever. You know, we have to start thinking about those things. Well, that's my rant for the morning. As you can tell, I'm a little bit fired up because I feel so sad. You know, when I think of my great-granddaughter having her first birthday, what's it going to be like when she's a teenager in 13 years if we don't stop? If we don't stop and sit down and start evaluating and each one of us taking part in making some of the changes that we so desperately need. And I hope this conversation that we have in today's show is going to wake some people up. Well, I got a few announcements to make, and I'm really excited, you know, about what's happening in Santa Rosa. Santa Rosa is finally waking up to, uh, you know, allowing people in their cultures to have a voice. They're going to be doing a De La Mas, uh, let's see, Muertos, M-U-E-R-T-O-S. Is that pronounce that right? Someone give me a hint. Go ahead. You go ahead. How do you? How would you pronounce it? Dia de los Muertos. Oh, okay. That's it. They're going to be having on November first and second in downtown Santa Rosa from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. and it is going to be fun. And today is Halloween. You know, you know, Halloween had its origin in the festival of Samania among the, Celt the Celts of ancient Britain and Ireland on the day corresponding to November 1st on contemporary calendars. And it's really interesting because 
Halloween and Day of the Dead, which is which was what I talked, what I mentioned before, this happening in, in downtown Santa Rosa. It, you get them kind of mixed up. You know, Halloween is kind of a celebration. It's kind of a, it's a, it's 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 it, it goes all the way back to the ancient Celtic festival of uh, that was pronounced so in about two thousand years ago. And, you know, people dressed up, you know, they celebrated, they went out in the street. It was like kind of around harvest time, you know, that's what the whole thing around pumpkin. But on the Day of the Dead, that's the next day, which is November 1st, that's when we celebrate and honor our ancestors. So they, they kind of come together, and in a way, the Day of the Dead is an, uh, honoring the ancestors. Halloween is kind of honoring the, the harvest and all the other different things. So it's like one level of life, another level of transition. So it's very interesting. So today is Halloween, and I want to wish everybody a happy trick-or-treat. I mean, as I, I look forward. I really look forward to the young people coming to the door and saying, hey, got something for us. I refuse. I refuse to give out candy. You know, I give them out little uh, posters or stickers or pencils or, in fact, this time I found some really neat little notebooks. You know, the dollar twenty-five cent store. You know, they have these really neat little notebooks that I'm going to hand out to the kids. So happy Halloween to everybody! And then, uh, t like I said, November first and second, we'll be celebrating the Day of the Dead. And you know. On the first step, we put the picture of a religious image on our favorite picture of the dead. In other words, you have a religious symbol, and then you put your ancestors, and you honor them. And we're going to honor our parents tomorrow, and uh, we'll bring a picture downtown. And the event is going to be happening in Courthouse Square. It's going to start on Tuesday, November 1st from 11 and it'll go all the way to 8 o'clock. And boy, they have all kinds of things. They have blessing of the food. They Actually, they even have the Filipino community honoring their ancestors through song and dance. So it's going to be a real community event. And this is the beauty of it. You have all kinds of people celebrating because we all have ancestors. You know, because we're all humans. You know, we're really all same, all part of the same family, and it's neat that we're getting together. And the same thing that's going to be happening on Wednesday, all day long they're going to be having dancing, singing. They're going to have all kinds of uh, altars so you can bring a picture of your ancestors and honor them. Well, that's a lot to think about and a lot to, uh, you know, there's no reason in this world that we have to be bored. Well, as we do every Monday... It's very important. The segment on our history is our strength. And I just decided to pick everybody that was born on Halloween. I mean, I wonder, you know, I know it's something people, when they're born on Christmas, they always feel like they've missed something. But I noticed because, like, my granddaughter, my great-granddaughter is born so close to Halloween, we end up having a Halloween birthday. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting the way things go. But on October 31st, 1896, wow. Happy birthday, and she made her transition in 1977, and that was Ethel Waters. She was a singer. She recorded more than 250 sides after, uh, after her debut in 1921, and she was a, what, she had a perfect, they called her, her voice was a perfect 
pitch. Well, let me tell you a little bit about her because I think it's very important that we understand a little bit of background about what some of these women accomplished. You know, she was an African-American woman. She was enormously popular uh, jazz and blues singer from the 1920s until her death in 1977. She broke barriers in many cultural areas and created a path for black people to star on Broadway. Amazing, a path for her people to star on Broadway. And this woman was born in 1896. I mean, <laughs> I mean, black people had very little opportunities at that time. Uh, her quieter, more interpretive style of presenting a song brought blues out to the jazz clubs and into cultural mainstream. And she was the first uh, African-American woman to be nominated for Primetime Emmy Award and an amazing, an amazing Woman. She was also the second African-American woman to be nominated for an Academy Award. Amazing. And she actually had her own television show. Well, you can't beat that, can you? And then another wonderful person, it just happens to be uh, another African-American woman, Luta Maria Riggs was an African-American architect of both county, state, and modest homes. And she was born in 1896 and made her transition in 1984. When she decided to become an, an architect, people laughed at her. What, a woman being an architect? She was one of the only women in her class. And being African-American at the same time is, is amazing. It's amazing. You know, the reason, that, that's, why, that's why I do our history is our strength. Because if you think of the barriers of what some of these women had in order for them to accomplish what they accomplished. It's amazing. And ladies, I got to tell you a little secret. If you're not careful, we're going to go backwards. They're trying to take our rights away. They're trying to take our voice away. They're trying to make take our right to, uh, to choose, you know, over our own bodies. That is very dangerous. You know, I say this over and over again. You know, I'm not for abortion. I'm not against abortion. But I am definitely for choice that each individual has a right to make a choice for themselves, especially when it comes to children. Like I was talking at the beginning about we have to ask ourselves about the future of our children. You know, I never met a woman who was going to have an abortion when saying, hey, I'm going to go have an abortion. It's a very, it's a very dramatic, dramatic and emotional decision but there's nothing worse than an unwanted child nothing worse and here these women that born in 1896 amazing that they were able to accomplish some of the things they accomplished so ladies out there this should give you courage these are the shoulders that we are standing on that give us that energy and that importance and one last thing, this is so funny, you know, it was really interesting. I was doing some research on this because another person born on Halloween, October 31st, 1816, she made her transition in 1927, was Juliette Lowe. And she was the founder and first president of the Girl Scouts of America in the United States. And I thought to myself, the Girl Scouts of America, I got to find out more about them. Well, you know, they had a very, a very, very honorable beginning, to be honest with you. You know, it was to teach women skills, integrity, and to be able to stand up for themselves. So happy birthday to her, uh, Juliet Lowe founder, uh, Judy, excuse me, Juliet Lowe, the founder and first president of the Girl Scouts of the United States of America. Wow, what a honor that is. 
And what a challenge that was for her when she first started. They said, what? Something like that for girls to have them go camping and do the things that, that they do in the Scouts. So it was really, really uh, a mind. It was that it was a milestone when you start thinking about it. And there's so many of you out there who are making milestones, standing up. We just had a, a milestone in Brazil. It's amazing. And maybe our our rainforest will be protected again. But milestones are very important and active people being active and that's exactly what these women were they were active especially ether waters oh my goodness what a history well that's a lot to think about but that's what women's spaces is all about that we think about things that we become activists that we actually take action and we're going to take a musical uh, musical break right now and it's a lot to a lot to digest i was just thinking of all the things that i said and one of the things that I just want to end with, to be honest with you, is that, you know, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to see what's going on in our world. It's really heartbreaking, and that's why it's so important. November 7th, everybody get their butts out there and vote. And vote for peace. Vote for people who are on your side, not people who are spewing hate, but people who are trying to do and improve and move forward for us. Well, we're going to take a musical break, and the song I'm going to play is a song I've played before, but I thought it was really very appropriate with NBOP being on the air with me today. It's called If I Can Dream. Very important song. You know, that's, you know dreaming and having a vision and walking towards that vision is very important, and it's sung by uh, Katrina Zermuck, and I know we are all hoping and dreaming for a better world, a better time. And when we return, joining me in the studio is Kelsey Varejo, who is a volunteer of the North Bay Organizing Project and Police Accountability Task Force and co-chair of the Civic Engagement Initiative, Deep Democracy, and Diona uh, Jerome, who's a Sonoma County Human Rights Commissioner for District 5. And sadly, she's the daughter of Jason Angelo Ryrick, who was bitten by the sheriff's canine dog in April 2020 uh, with the deputies in Grayton. That was a sad day. They couldn't control the dog. I mean, they can't control themselves and they can't control their dogs. Anyway, looking forward to coming and joining you and having this wonderful interview. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's play the song.
have dreams. I mean, I dream for a better world, a world of kindness and consideration and compassion and equality and capital, all capital letters, accountability. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holton. Without further ado, I want to introduce my guest. Joining me in the studio is Kelsey Vero, and she is a volunteer with the North Bay Organizing Project Police Accountability Task Force and co-chair of their Civic Engagement Initiative and Deep Democracy. Welcome, Kelsey. Say hello so we can identify your voice. Hi. Thanks so much for having us. Oh, I mean, I'm really excited to have you here. And also with me is Aona Jerome. She's a Sonoma County Human Rights Commissioner for District 5 and daughter of Jason Angolero Wyrick, who was bitten by the Sheriff's K-9 in April 2020 with deputies in Grayton. Welcome, welcome both of you to Women's Spaces. Let me hear your voice Hi, today. thank you for having me on here today. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much, both of you, for being here. Well, to begin with, Let's talk a little bit about yourselves. You know, why don't we start with you, Kelsey? Just let us know about, a little bit about yourself. What inspires you? You know, how did you get involved in activism? And what inspires you about being part of NBOP? And what are some of the things that you're working on? Yes, thanks. Um, it's a great question. So I uh, started volunteering with NBOP for Measure P, which was in 2020. Um, and I was home with a new baby. I was watching what was happening outside the window and participating in what we could for the protests. Um, and Measure P uh, was coming up, and I was becoming more aware of what was happening locally and thinking of things in a local lens instead of a, a national lens um, and what could be done right here. And I just got involved with text banking, and I stayed involved with them as they, uh, you know, had created future initiatives, in, including the Police Accountability Task Force. What's your background before that, a little bit? Yeah, I, uh, I, I went to school for art, mostly. Um, so one of the things we're going to talk about today. Um, yeah, and I, I actually was born and raised here. And um, yeah, having an organization like MBOP that has such wonderful leadership, um, you know, working on racial justice and social justice issues uh, with leadership from organizing within affected communities. And it's very important to me to be involved in an organization where I can come and, and, and help out by coming where folks are needed, um, but follow that kind of leadership from folks who, who really know w what will transform our society into a more just future for everyone. 
Well, you know what's so exciting about having both of you in the studio is that you're so young. You're two young women, and it, it just gives you so, so much faith in the future because we need you to move forward. You know, us older guys, we're moving backwards, but you're, you're moving forward. Well, Dayona, you're a member of the Sonoma County Human Rights Commission representing District 5. What, what motivated, you know, you're a, you're a young woman, you're still a high school student. What motivated you to become part of the Human Rights Commission? And also, uh, what, what inspired you about getting so involved? Well, I had, had this incident on the school bus. It was a racial incident. And from that, I had talked to Linda Hopkins. And she told me that there was a spot open on the commission for the human rights. And she gave me a decision if I wanted to take it or not. And I, I ended up taking it. And I sat in a few of the meetings before actually going and fully becoming a commissioner. And I thought, yeah, I want to do this. I really think that I can help by doing this. Well, how do you feel you can help? What do you think some of the ideas you have around helping are? I feel like just speaking up and having the younger generation see me speak up, it's helping and like for the community, what they had did the day that the incident happened in 2022, April 4th, it was really motivating because after all the SWAT cars left, I had multiple people come up to me and ask me if I was okay and if I needed help and what can they do to help me or what can they do to the for the family to help with the incident that just happened. That's when your father was attacked by the dog? Yeah. That must have been very traumatic for you. It was. And I think, you know, that's why Measure P is so important, to be able to investigate those things and be able to find out what's happening. Well, thank you for sharing, and thank you for being here. I know it's difficult, you know, the first time you're on the radio. I love it when I have first-time <laughs> people. It's so exciting because then I can encourage them. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about, on October 22nd, a coalition of student, faith, labor, and migrant leaders uh, created a temporary art installation that's right up your alley, Kelsey, with art uh, and altar at the Sonoma County uh, Administration Building at 575 Administration Drive in Santa Rosa to raise awareness of the dozens of people who've been killed and brutalized by the police. Talk about that event and the message you were trying to get across and why in front of the Board of Supervisors. Let's, let's, let's hear from you, Kelsey, again. Yeah, um, so in front of the Board of Supervisors, um, that, that's really a, a big part of the picture. Um, there are many, many parts to uh, oversight of the sheriff's office. Um, we had a, a, an event also in front of the sheriff's office previously. Um, and, you know, we want to continue to raise awareness of where things stand currently. And so there's a lot in the hands of the board right now um, in terms of fully implementing Measure P. And we are ha have been finding ways to share the community's concerns that Measure P has not been fully implemented as a result of, of their agreement with the Deputy Sheriff's Association, um, known as the Memorandums of, of Understanding, that, or MOUs. Um, and so 
we know that the board can make changes to those. They can go back to the negotiating table um, and make changes to the memorandums of understanding so that uh, we can restore some of the key elements of Measure P um, that that were removed through their agreements. So. Um, why art, though? What, what was the whole motivation around the art? And give an example of what, you know, what, I'm sorry that I wasn't there. I, it's like all of a sudden, you know, because we had the Andy Lopez thing and so many things going on that day. But why art? Yes. Um, and actually, just to note, it, it is um, interesting on the National Day of Protest to Stop Police Brutality. Right. Also, coincidentally, the ninth anniversary of the killing of Andy Lopez, the 13-year-old um, by a sheriff's deputy here locally. Um, so, yeah, a lot happening on that. It certainly is why we chose that day. Um, and the the art essentially is about the sort of community building um, and part participation. Uh, we wanted to take the names of the 97 people who've been killed but as a result of police or sheriff action um, since the year two just since the year 2000 in Sonoma County, and and we handed them out so that each person can participate in in posting their names and sort of seeing that representation of this group of individuals who for for whatever was happening in, in that moment have been taken from us as a result of uh, police or sheriff action. And so that's kind of how the idea of the names um, uh, came up. Um, and then, you know, we also had some screen printed signs around specifically calling for justice for David Pelea Chavez, who was um, very recently killed and is uh, still, you know, in process waiting for us to gain more understanding, and there's you know court cases and there's um, investigations happening, but um, not not yet uh, being investigated by the Iolero as a result of of um, those MOUs we talked about. Well, you know, it's interesting you talk about the names. There's something about saying a name or looking at a name or putting a name up that gives you that that sense of humanity. Like this was a human being whose life was taken by another human being, and that human being is allowed to carry a gun, and yet there's very little accountability. You know, they have this weapon, and there's the accountability it's so hard to get. So I think that's really, really wonderful that you did that with the name. So, Diola, why don't you talk a little bit? You're a young person. You know, what you, you were at the event, I assume. Yes, I actually spoke at the event. You spoke. Yeah, I did. So what, what impact did you, I mean, what, what did, as a young person, what did you walk away with, seeing all these people coming up, seeing all these names, and also you had this experience with your dad, all coming together that moment, and now you're speaking. So what, what was your impact and what did you walk away with? I think the most thing that impacted me was the little girls and the way that they looked at me after I got off a of stage from speaking. Uh, multiple of the parents like commemorated me on stage and off of stage but there was this one little girl in general who walked around everywhere I went and she was just staring at me I didn't notice until one of my parents had pointed her out and then I waved to her but to see her look at me like that it makes me feel like I'm really doing something better and that I really am helping the next generation come up. Well, that's what she saw. 
She saw not only that, she saw you speaking out, which gave, gives her confidence. You know, it gives her confidence. And I know, I know when it, it's, it, when you first begin on, I mean, being a public speaker. I remember the first time I had to, I would, I, I didn't was not a public speaker myself. I had, I went to Los Angeles City College in order to graduate. I had to do public speaking, and I, I would rather be dead than go up in front of, in front of a, in front of a group. And when I finally did it, and little by little, as you do it. It gets easier and easier and easier. And also, I gave you that pledge. That'll even make it easier. And that little girl, I mean, that really, that our children are the future. And she saw the future a little bit positive because I don't know if you know this, but this generation being born is called the disaster generation. I've and heard. that's because there are so many disasters that have happened. So to see a person like yourself up there, young and talking for the first time and overcoming your fears is really probably was very inspiring to her. So that that's very inspiring to me. So what what why did you feel you know you're going through and you're watching all the people, Diana? Why why did you feel this? What what was what what came to your mind that why was this so important? Second, the young girl, of course, but the other parts of it. Why did you think it was important? Because just the brutality of the police, it needs to stop. And we're all people and we all see the world how we see it. And it's in a different like perspective. But at the end of the day, we see it the same in some ways. And... Like you were saying at the beginning, I don't know what creates a person to become so different from how they were as a child with love. Um, I feel like we just need to find a way to like bring that love back out of everybody and have us all get together as a community. Very important. Very important. Well, thank you for sharing that. I mean, it really is. It's 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 an important thing. So let's let's leave it at that right now. We're going to take another uh, musical break, and the song I'm going to play is one of my favorite songs, written by John Lennon. It's called Imagine. But I found an uh, an arrangement by Etta James, and as far as I'm concerned, it's the best arrangement I've ever heard of Imagine. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to take a musical break and we're going to go ahead, Ken, and we're going to play Imagine, written by John Lennon. And I believe this arrangement by Etta James is one of the most, to me, it just touches my heart. And when we come back, we're going to be continue our conversation with Kelsey Vero and also uh, with, Dio, uh, with Diona J Jerome. And we're going to get into more information about Measure P and what it entails. So let's go ahead, Ken, and let's play Imagine by Etta James. Imagine all the people 
crying in the studio folks i gotta let you know and you know and i have a beautiful audience i have i have three people here that are observing plus my two guests and it's really very very exciting so thank everybody for being here and that you know when i think of that song imagine you know i remember when when every time i hear it in my car if i'm at a place i can just stop and just close my eyes and i just imagine i imagine peace and love and all kinds of good things in the world well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz, and I have in the studio with me Kelsey Vero, and uh, she's a volunteer with the North Bay Organizing Project, the Police Accountability Task Force, and she's co-chair of the Civic Engagement in- Initiative, Deep Democracy. And I also have uh, Niona Jerome, our young, one of my youngest guests here, and we're going to turn most of the program over now to Kelsey. But Kelsey, before you start, I, I-, I have to ask you one question. Question. What is deep democracy? What do, I mean, I just, I, every time I typed it or looked at it, I said, what is it? What is it? What is it? Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, w- the name definitely um, is what we're about, um, about uh, having democracy um, 
have that deep connection and relationship building that builds power. And so it is another part of the North Bay Organizing Project. Um, and I'm just a volunteer who has been helping with that initiative. Um, we're currently involved in electoral work uh, ahead of the election. So we've been doing canvassing and text banking um, and reaching out to uh, community members in Sonoma County uh, and trying to make sure that they're under, you know, hearing what they care most about and also sharing some resources we had like we sent out a, a candidate questionnaire uh, that kind of thing well you know it's interesting they say that our democracy is at risk you know people don't realize how lucky we are in this country and the thing the the idea is even though our founding fathers you know when they laid down the you know the constitution and also all the different things that happened they were not quite up to date they, but the beauty, the beauty of our democracy, the beauty of our Constitution is that we can change it. You know, we can have civil rights. We can make different illusions. We gave women the right to choose. I mean, even though right now it's on the block, people don't realize if we don't, if we don't hold on to what we have and we lose it, we'll see what it's like, you know, in countries where we don't have the voice and we don't have that. Well, let's talk about, uh, Kelsey, let's talk about Measure P. You know, 64% of Son Sonoma County voted for Measure P, and yet many community members are concerned about it. It's still not, you know, it's being, I hate to use this word, but I'm going to use, it's being tampered with, period, tampered with. So talk a little bit about that, and, and tell us, you know, what, what, why, why do you feel it's important that people get involved and really pay attention to this? Yeah, great question. Um, so the reason we all need to get involved and pay attention to it is that um, it's the only thing that has moved accountability and oversight uh, of, of police or, or law enforcement and the sheriff's office forward um, in general, I would say, but, but locally. So you mentioned the protests after uh, the killing of Andy Lopez. Um, and, and how that created the Iolero, the Independent Office of Law Enforcement. Let me tell you, I have, to t I have to be really honest, it was a fight. Yes. It was a fight. Right. It, it, it took a long time and a lot of sustained public pressure. And, and therefore, they, as a result of that community activism and the outrage and grief from um, a, a, having a 13-year-old uh, taken from us in this way, um, the office that does oversight of the sheriff's office, although you're right, they called it the um, Office of Outreach because they could not get the word oversight. Those meetings that were there did not win the word oversight being in there, maybe someday. Um, but nonetheless, the Iolero is designed to... Um, uh, tell what Iolero means yeah, for those people who yeah. maybe not know. The Independent Office of Law Enforcement Review and Outreach. The Iolero, for sure. Not oversight. <laughs> not oversight. But they both start with a no. So right. Yeah. <laughs> at least we got a little bit there. Right. Um, so, so since that was created, it's been here. Um, but it's, it's been limited in many ways. And so that history is sort of important to understand what's happening now. Um, it was created, but it didn't have reliable or enough funding. It didn't have a lot of staff, and it had limitations in terms of even the ability to see documents and, and disciplinary action, you know, to make recommendations um, and, and to do independent investigations. So it can kind of like take complaints um, and, and in it does an audit of um, uh, policies and sort of gives feedback, uh, which you know, may or may not be <laughs> acted on. And so, um, in fact, the, the director of the Iolero 
um, Jerry, Threat. Jerry Threat stepped down in part because he believed that the office couldn't function in the, the, the job that it was supposed to do. Um, and so Measure P was created to strengthen it. It had reliable funding and a little bit more so that it could get a few more staff members and work. But also, just just to just to bring notice to give people a little bit of history, when Measure P was developed and was going to go into the ballot, there was so much resistance. You know, mm-hmm. nobody wanted it on the ballot. Blah blah. Then all of a sudden, George Floyd happened, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, it became politically correct to support police accountability because of what happened. So all of a sudden, we got the initiative, and all of a sudden, every Every politician put their name to it, put their stamp to it. They were they were for police accountability. Never used the word oversight again. It had to be outreach, and then it went to the polls. And 64 percent of voters voted to bring it forward. Mm-hmm. So it's very important that that piece of history is in there because all of a sudden you find one of the things that I find about about you know there's this old saying you know first you get an idea everybody laughs at you and then someone steals it from you and you don't get any credit you know and Iolero and the initiative was a people's push that's what I call it a people's push it was when the people stood up and said we're going to put this on the ballot we got the signatures I mean it was a it was a fight but that that history is so important it wasn't given to us it's like it's the same thing about the women they say given the right no we won the right to vote we won the right to have Iolero so continue. I had to. I just had to throw that in. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and in fact, when we to get it on the ballot, there was a lot of public pressure. Um, and now uh, to sort of follow through with it, there's there's continued public pressure. And that's what we what you asked about in terms of why it's important to follow it each each step along the way. We get a little bit closer. So we we do have some of the parts of Measure P implemented now. Um, it's been two years since it was passed, and unfortunately. Um, we believe that one of the one of the most important parts of it have been removed through those agreements, the memorandums of understanding between the Board of Supervisors and the Deputy Sheriff's Association. So one thing to understand about that is that they they are required um, to meet and confer because of because it's a, a labor you know seen as a labor issue, and um, when they do those negotiations, it's always behind closed doors in that sense. The public didn't know this was happening at all, and they they didn't know anything about it until the memorandums of understanding came out. Um, The other minor parts of Measure P had been working through the court um, and and in general has been um, upheld. So it went to the Court of Appeals, it went to the California Supreme Court and was upheld. And so um, the board is required to meet and negotiate, but it's not required to, to to do anything more than that, basically. They need to negotiate in good faith, um, but they are the ultimate decision makers in terms of what is going to be uh, enacted, the Measure P implementation. What are they trying to take away? So there were several things that came out of the MOUs that we believe substantively changed <laughs> Measure P. Um, there's, they had made changes to whistleblower protections and who, who takes the complaint, um, letting Iolero take the complaints, but, uh, I think has been restored now. Um, they changed the um, the way that they can see some documents within the the sheriff's department. But the the biggest one is the ability to do an independent investigation. So there was a lot of discussion around <laughs> where what the language specifically said 
and and what the word review means and, and things like that. However, we, we know from being involved in campaigning and text banking and talking to folks and passing Measure P what the intent of the voters was and what the intent of the writers were. Well, I don't understand why they're so, so, so complex. I mean, the, the word review is in the dictionary. Yeah. It means to overlook, you know, it means to look at something, to review it, to see if it's substantial. I mean, or to see that, that make sure all the ducks are in order, you know, that you got all the information. I mean, that's what you review it's like when you have when you're an employee you go and every six months you have a review and then they you know, they'll give you a raise or you know or fire you I mean but but I don't understand why this word review is it's almost like oversight right so yeah um, basically the way it stands now with the MOUs um, <laughs> they are the Iolero is is waiting and they are allowed to look over the investigations that happened through the SRPD and the DA and, and wait for all that process to go through and then review it at the end. But um, in when Measure P was passed, um, their independence, the independent office of, you know, that is the, what the I stands for, um, you know, we saw it play out with the killing of De David, David Peleas Chavez, where um, the Iolero could have, if they were allowed to do an independent investigation, that would have looked like show up at the at the scene, uh, uh, be able to view the body, um, talk to witnesses, uh, do all kinds of things in real time. And instead, they're just waiting um, until all of these other things happen and it comes back around. So what you're saying, the initiative says that when an incident happens, you're involved in the investigation. You're doing your own independent investigation along with where the police are doing their investigation. Right. But right now what they want to do is they want to make sure the investigation happens so you don't know if they're giving all the information. I mean, you know, it's right. kind of, it, it could be a little bit clouded. Mm -hmm. Well, I hate to say this, but the clock is running out. So the most important thing I think is is how can people support your effort? That's number one. What you feel the public needs to do, and any websites and any information that they can get a hold, and then just any last words you might have, and also if you have some last words yourself, Dayona. And we've only got two minutes left, so let's let's go ahead. Give us what you'd like to do in your website. Yeah. So you can um, hear more about. Uh, future actions and, and what's happening and keep involved that way by following us at social media at North Bay Organizing Project or you can go to our website northbayop.org and we have a newsletter and other ways to get involved. Um, and yeah, basically we're calling on the board to renegotiate the MOUs and we'll be following up to make sure that uh, Measure P is enacted fully. And also to let folks know that all the information that you just gave me will be on www.womenspaces.com. And Dayona, any last words by you, my friend? Uh, yeah, we have monthly meetings for the Human Rights Commission. Uh, you can find the, the agenda on our website at Sonoma County Human Rights Commission. And you're a commissioner on there? Yes. And you were who were you appointed by? Linda Hopkins. Well, thank you, Linda. Thank you so much. Well, thank you both. This has been wonderful. Anything else? Just real quickly, anything anything you'd like to say that's any burning desire that maybe we didn't cover or didn't say? Uh, well, thank you so much for having us, and we really think it's important um, to continue to raise awareness, and we really appreciate um, hearing uh, real-life stories as Dana is sharing with us uh, about, you know, what it's like to be on the other side and experience these kinds of uh, events that otherwise might go unnoticed.
Well, thank you both. You've been wonderful, wonderful guests. Thank you, too. Well, that's it for our show, folks. Thank you to Kelsey Vieira, uh, for, who's a volunteer with the North Bay Organizing Project, Police Accountability Task Force, and a co-chair uh, co of their Civic Engagement Initiative, Deep Democracy. Thank you so much, Kelsey, for explaining that. And Dayona uh, Jerome, who's on the Sonoma County Human Rights Commission, who's uh, representing District 5. And thank you both for being here. And she was also the daughter of Jason Angelo Rybrick, who was bitten with the sheriff's cane in April 2020, oh boy, with the deputies in, in Grayton. Well, a reminder, folks, tell your friends that uh, Women's to Bases will be aired again at, on this evening at 11 o'clock. I'm so excited, and please remember, our children are the future, and we must never lose sight of this. This is Elaine B. Holt. You've been looking for, listening to Women's Bases, and I look forward to being with you the next time. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, October 31st, 2022.